This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by The Pudding Club, the new nightlife hotspot for women in the family way. It's London's only dance hall with a children's play area. Come tonight to meet David Niven and enter the drawing to win a free basket to be delivered nine months from today. The Pudding Club, where up the duff is up to snuff. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free. I'm Brandon. And I'm Jeff. And this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about are you being served? Hello, that is, unanimous. That is unanimous. No, that is Ethel? Gladys. Gladys. <laughs> Sorry, Gladys. I forgot your name. Hello, Mr. Jeff. Hello, unanimous. Hello, Mr. Brandon. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm having my Earl Grey. It's a lovely evening. Lots have been happening in the world, but we're here to talk about are you being served? <laughs> we're here to talk about a television show that's 40 years old. Yes, and uh, it's a humdinger of one, if I do say so myself. You uh, can. You can indeed, Mr. But I, it, I, it's our damned podcast, isn't it? But we're not the only ones who like Are You Being Served, are we, Mr. Jeffrey? We are not. We've got a bunch of new fans on Facebook. <laughs> Patty Ann, Dave, Liam, Andrew, Bill, Joan, and Christopher. Thank you so much for joining the Unanimous. Yeah. And you know who else was a, 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 a new person on uh, Facebook? Christina Crawford. Tina! Tina, give me, give the, me axe. the axe! But she had to, she had to unsubscribe because she had to go get the axe. It was the whole thing. So. Did we really have a fan named Christina Crawford? I just made it up. <laughs> <laughs> Clark That's Kent, funny. also, and uh, George Minnie Jefferson. Mouse, Donald Duck. Yes. Um, well, someone, a real person that has uh, <gasps> gotten in touch with us is superfan Jeff Y. He wrote in telling us um, about the front page story episode that mm-hmm. we covered a couple of weeks ago where they had the beauty contest where Mrs. Slocum came out in that like green lingerie outfit. Mm-hmm. Molly Sugden had received from fan mail from the Middle East asking her for pictures, um, signed pictures in uh, the outfit and she got embarrassed and she had to decline. So I'm confused. So, was this Molly Sugden? Like, why? I don't understand. I, first of all, I really wish I could see the image of her in, like, the suit. But are you talking about her as Mrs. Slocum in an episode? Yeah. So when Mrs. Slocum was entering the beauty contest, she came out in that green number. Oh, right? yeah, from, like, 1920 with, like, garter right. belt. And, oh, right. I understand. And so she got okay. a lot of fan mail asking for, like, a signed picture of that. Ooh. Of, like, like a pinup picture. And she got embarrassed and declined, apparently. Aw. Mrs. Slocum would have done it, but I guess Molly Sugden was a bit more of a cautious person. That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's hilarious. We also heard well, from uh, our another... So Jeff's ran rampant within the Are You Being Served crowd, apparently. They do. They do. There's Mr. Mr. Jeff, Randy. the original. There's um, the other Jeff. And then there's like... Nine or ten other Jeffs out there. So <laughs> if your name is Jeff, you're probably a listener. So hello. <laughs> uh, but we heard from uh, another Jeff in the, in the wonderful state of California. Have we not, Mr. Jeff? We have indeed, Mr. Brandon. So he sent us a couple of voicemails uh, where he apologized for correcting us. And we don't claim to be the only authority on English and British culture. So if we get something wrong, please let us know. And I will say the anonymous are very vociferous in letting us know when we make a mistake. (laughs) Did you know that Sunday is the day that comes before Saturday? There, I just got like 19 <laughs> emails and waiting for us. So that's going to be good for our podcast numbers, I think. Mr. Jeffrey from California also <laughs> let us know about a sartorial choice he made. Uh, why don't we listen to the voicemail and let him tell us about what he's having bespoke custom made Ooh, for us? I love it. Bespoke. We'll listen to it right now. Hello, Mr. Jeff and Mr. Brandon. This is Mr. Jeffrey. Um, calling from California. I'm the fellow having the vest made or trying to have the vest made. I think it's going to work out really well. Um, I just wanted to call and say how much I've been enjoying. I'm sort of working backwards 
<laughs> through the podcast. I started in the beginning. I was like, no, I must listen to each individual episode before I start listening to the new ones. And then I was like, no, if I do that, then I won't ever get to talk to them until they're done with this thing. So um, anyway, I've been having a really good time listening, and I just love finding people that adore the show as much as I do. And I hope soon to be able to provide photos of uh, – me wearing this fabulous vest and information about where all of us, uh, unanimous, can buy them all in our sizes. So, again, thanks for having this wonderful idea and uh, helping everybody to uh, enjoy the show in a different way and allowing me to be a part of it in some small way. So I hope you guys are great, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Oh, my God. Thanks for the voicemail, wow. Mr. Jeff, um, Jeffrey. Um I have to say, he sent um, a special um, postcard to the That Does Suit Madam headquarters. Yes, exactly. Not that type of postcard, Mr. Joe. But no, he sent one to the uh, Northern Mississippi compound where we record our show um, with photos of uh, the fledgling sweater vest. Wow. And it looks fantastic. So I said, my God, maybe this is like a, a cottage industry that will like take off. And I cannot wait to see it, like, finished. So that's awesome. It's our first vendor at the Are You Being Served fan convention. Right? <laughs> <laughs> It'll be, like, an entire ballroom at, like, the, the Hyatt. And there's, like, one <laughs> little booth. And it's this this person making, like... W.C. Humphrey sweaters. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, everyone in line. <laughs> We also heard from another caller who suffered from um, atopic dermatitis as a child, and she was prescribed sun a suntan bed as a kid. Remember in that episode at the beginning of season eight, old Mister Grace is oh, playing yeah, sardines, yeah, yeah. right? Right. Uh, and obviously, since then, the medical community is like, "Yeah, no, suntanning is not good yeah, for you, no that. matter what it is." But, but the doctor so, was like, "You have to do this." Exactly, because it was a different time. That's right? crazy. Um, and so she now has to get regular checks for skin cancers or melanoma. And luckily, you know, she's been um, very lucky and very healthy since. But good, good for you. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're all supposed to get a yearly skin skin check. You know, go to your dermatologist. So, but crazy, you know. And the, the doctor was probably smoking a cigarette when he's like, "Yeah, so uh, <laughs> get your daughter a tatting bat. It'll cure it right up." <laughs> right uh quite possibly i mean i i think this caller might have been a little bit younger than that in those times when doctors were not smoking cigarettes in the in the office but or the hospital but that's one of the craziest uh, things we always taken. go back for some reason or i do anyway to uh mad men well yep. i guess because we always comparing like what's the difference between the 60s and 70s and today and our first episode we talked a lot about smoking and how that was something that, like, has phased into, like, the private spaces of people instead of, like, in commercial yep. places. Um, but you think about Mad Men, um, they, they just smoked all the time. And that reminds me, um, superfan Kyle yep. has demanded. He didn't request. He demanded. I think he used the word demand. Uh-oh. Um, that we dust off the experimental episode from the pilot. Ooh. The unanimous remembers that we did an experimental episode, and it's probably not worth publishing into the world, <laughs> but I don't know. It's something for us to think about. So we did an experimental podcast on the pilot. I'm curious what you think about that. I think we should do it. Why don't we, why don't we release it as a palate cleanser between seasons eight and nine? Oh, okay. I like that. I like that. Okay. And then we can have a week off. So maybe <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Um, yeah. So we heard you, Kyle. Um, so stay tuned. We'll have to go into the vault. It's very dusty down there. Meanwhile, uh, wear a mask um, when you're indoors because the CD says, CDC now says if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear it when you're outdoors. So hurrah. Uh, wash your hands. And as always, Black, Black Lives, Lives Matter. Matter. And speaking of, I do want to just say hurrah that we heard some good news about the the court case in Minneapolis. In the same day, other things kept happening in Minneapolis yeah. and, and Brooklyn Park. And, yeah. So we're definitely keeping an eye on all that. So we say it in every episode, but it's something we uh, 
you know, it's 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 one step. It's one small step of accountability. You know, mm. I, I, I'm not in any position to label it justice, um, but I also think that justice will be served when this kind of um, verdict is, is handed down regularly and not and the even, exception to the rule. Yeah. Yeah. And even mm-hmm. better yet, when people of color don't need to be concerned that the people who are supposed to be protecting them as citizens and residents are going to um, straight up murder them. So Yeah. And, you know, justice will be served when it doesn't have to be served anymore. You know, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. But anyway, this so. is something that uh, happened and I thought should be addressed. So yeah. and with that, I think we should also say you've, you've all, all done, done very well. Yeah. So, Mr. <laughs> Jeffrey, um, the the unanimous would like for me to ask on their behalf, what the hell are we listening to this show about? <laughs> Why are we whittling away our free time to listen to you and I just blather on? So tonight we are talking about Series 8, Episode 5, Heir Apparent, which originally premiered on May 7th, 1981. And that week in the news, Francois Mitterrand uh, was elected president of France. Oh, that's a car, right? (laughs) <laughs> and he stayed president for quite a long time because I feel like he was still president when I was in high school. Is that That's, possible? Mm, is it? I feel I feel like French presidential terms are seven years long. And so if he served two terms, then yeah, that would make sense. When I was a kid, I used to think that Re- President Reagan was king. Because that's because you grew up in Arkansas. <laughs> well, that's a whole other thing. But you know, like two terms for four years—that's eight years. So when you're a kid, that's like your entire life. Your entire life. Yeah, so if, if the presidential term in France is seven years, that's fourteen years. My God. Yeah. What about the guy now? Um, how long has he been? Emmanuel Macron. Macron. Um, yeah. It's been a minute. I, I I don't know. It's been a, it's been a long time. Yeah. I like his foundation. It's very, it matches very nicely, though. <laughs> what else um, happened, Mr. Jeff? The um, Andrew Lloyd Webber musical Cats premiered on the West End in London. <laughs> and then it would eventually move to which theater in New York? Do you know this bit of Broadway history? Winter Garden. The Winter Garden Theater. Now and forever at the Winter Garden Theater was the tagline that played on every commercial. Uh, and it did feel like it was going to be around forever, but sadly, no, it came to an end forever um, some years ago. Ended. <laughs> All right, so shall we get into the episode? Let's do it. Um, this is, I have to say, we were kind of talking before we hit the record button, and. Uh, season eight has, you know, it's all canon. It's all already being served. We love every minute of it before you all send those emails. Um, some not so great episodes, not, well, comparatively not as great as others. Mm-hmm. But this, we both agreed, kind of goes against that streak. Yeah, and... this one broke This one broke the, the slump of the series eight yeah. was. Yeah. And we're about to find out, aren't we? So... Right away, right after the end credits, we meet Mr. Klein, who is replacing Mr. Grossman, who had only been around for four episodes. Oh, alas, poor Yorick. Oh, no, alas, poor Milo Sperber. I knew him, Horatio, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So Mr. Klein is played by Benny Lee, who was in several TV comedies in the 50s and 60s. How do you view Friends and Neighbors and After Hours? Okay. Uh, and the reason why he's come to the floor is that old Mr. Grace has asked him to help out with a sale next week. And so he's temporarily joining the department. But he's going to stick around for four episodes. Do you know what happened to Milos Berber? Like, why did he go away? I don't, I don't know. I did a lot. I did as much research as I could, but yeah. I couldn't find the answer about what happened to him. He didn't. He, it's not like he got sick and died or anything, but... Um, I'm guessing that it probably had a lot to do with David Croft's soon-to-be departure from the show. Oh, I like a good conspiracy theory. This, the rest of the staff are arriving a half an hour early on Saturday because the sale starts next week, and they get first crack on Saturday on everything that's going on sale. And there is one item in the center display unit that everybody has had their eye on, which is a fur coat. I mean, a fur coat can take any person's disappointment right off. <laughs> so we already know that in previous episodes, they've sold fur coats for up to 3,000 pounds. Which is the, right? a house in that time in <laughs> London, basically, right? 
And the ticket on this one on the center display unit says 75 pounds. So that would be 260 pounds today or about $360 today. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, but still a very good deal for a reduced fur coat. And so um, they're all fighting over it. Even Mr. Klein, who hasn't been on the floor that long at all, he's in the cutting department. Um, so I guess in the ladies' department where they cut um, cloth into patterns to make bespoke suits and dresses and things, right? Yeah, yeah. So he, he's pleading his case about what, why he should get it for his wife um, and says she's in the twilight of her life. <laughs> to which Mrs. Slocum replies, well, in that case, who's going to see her in the dark? Because she's like, I, she's getting her claws out. She wants that damn fur coat, man. Mrs. Slocum wants it. Ms. Brahms wants it. Captain Peacock wants to buy it, right? Captain Peacock suggests drawing straws so they could draw lots and see who gets to buy it. Mm-hmm. And then an alarm clock rings and we see that Mr. Humphrey slept over from the night before with his Paddington bed. And he's on top of the, the, the gentleman's counter and he's covered his entire body with a sheet, which is, we talked about, it's so weird. That, the like, dust cloths. You put dust, like, is it that dusty? <laughs> I guess. I mean, well, it's a I fun gotta, thing for I TV. I gotta right? tell you, being in my apartment for the last 14 months straight. Like everyone, it, right? It is amazing how dusty everything becomes just because I'm around and my skin is shedding the entire time. And if you've got the windows open with the pollen and everything. People are disgusting. <laughs> That's true. But it was so cute to see Mr. Humphreys like suddenly have the little night cap, his night hat on. Night yeah. cap, is that what it's called? Night cap and night shirt. Yeah. yeah, and he had like his little Paddington bear with the Wellingtons that just get too cold. Love Mr. Humphreys. This is, by the way, this is the Humphreys episode, I think, right? This is like, Um, okay, we love this character. We love John Inman. Please don't move to Australia. (laughs) Right? Um, I don't know if this is the Humphreys episode. I think this is one of them. But I feel like, what about the one that's coming up where he gets um, accused of stealing from the till? That's a good one. Or wasn't, did we already do that? Wasn't Mr. Granger in that episode? No, no, no. That's, I, I feel like it's coming up in the future. Okay. There's, there's like a lot of episodes. Much, it's harsher. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. We still have about 20 more episodes. Oh, my God. Get, right? Oh, and by the way, we didn't make any, any big deal at all on the show about our 50th episode. We lost count until yeah, we started like, to publish what? it. And like, we do make these episodes and it takes some time to get them out into the world. But 50 episodes, that's... Well done, Mr. Jeffrey. Well done, Mr. Brandon. Ah, so this is so what, great. number 53? Something like that, yeah. Something like that, yeah. yeah. We're so bad. So they don't have any straws on them, and the canteen doesn't open for another few hours. So then Mr. Client suggests blindfolding everyone, and the first person to grab it wins. <laughs> and Mrs. Slocum doesn't want uh, everyone grabbing around in the dark trying to get a hold of it. No, it was so Mr. Then, Humphreys who said that. Oh, it was that. Mr. Humphreys who said that. Okay. <laughs> he said, uh, I don't want everyone... Uh, Reaching around with the fingers trying to get lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's exactly when right. When he's wearing like a night shirt without any pants. Right. But then he suggests uh, treating it like the Olympics and a race up the stairs. So then they all have to jockey for which position they'll be in. You know, the ladies need a handicap, so they should get a head start. And Captain Peacock already has a stiff leg from an old war wound. And Mr. Klein jumps right in <laughs> to say, oh, I heard he sat on a rusty fork in the cookhouse. He's getting very familiar for having been on the floor for less than five minutes. The liberty. Uh, don't you think? The liberty. What a fucking liberty, right? <laughs> yeah. So finally, when they figure out their placements, old Mr. Gray swoops in and buys the coat for his secretary, leaving no one a chance. Talk about, like, to taking the, the air right out of the room. Like, of course, you know, we're... He we're, doesn't need the sale in order right. to be able to and afford it. It was, it was cute to see the buildup, because he knows something was going to happen. And in walks old Mr. Grace. No one likes him. We all hate him. Um, I should make a Facebook group about, like, we hate old Mr. Grace. <laughs> Wouldn't that be, the like, every arguing server person? Um... But yeah, like the whole scene, like when he walks in and like, you can tell the audience is like disappointed. Like you, they, they almost are going to boo and hiss at him. Yeah. So we cut on down to the canteen and everyone is dejected about missing out on this coat and the way they feed us and pay us. Right. Um, they're just complaining about the whole store as they are wont to do. Yeah. So Mr. Rumbold comes in 
and says that um, they have to nominate someone for the Grace Brothers Salesperson of the Year competition. Because, of course, there has to be a competition to, you know, rank everybody and put everyone in a certain class. Oh, yeah. And uh, based on the sales figures from the past six months, of course, he's nominating Mr. Humphreys. Yay! May I thank you for your touching reception as they give him a very mild round of applause. Yeah, because (laughs) that was a little weird. You would think, I don't know, it's just, you think they'd be happy for him. Or maybe they could have written it in a way to like, maybe mean, like he gets a little bit of money and they're all jealous of the money or something. Exactly, because what do they have to be jealous of? He gets his named engraved on the loving cup that's kept in the boardroom, look up. Uh, and yeah. then he gets a three-inch plastic silver-colored replica, right? And there can't be that much prestige going on. It, it may also just be, you know, that even though they all get along with him, they all know that he's a little bit of a brown noser. You know, he's a little bit of a suck-up sometimes. Yeah, you know? that's true. So uh, the colleagues have to give a report and um, give remarks in marks out of ten. So... Of course, Captain Peacock, as the superior on the floor, is writing out the Pulls report. Pulls out his pencil, licks it, and then starts writing. Right. Uh, punctuality, he's got a general manner. Uh, he's uh, got a nice smile and a way with women as well. I'll as put well. down good mixer. I learned well, right? this scene where um, Mr. Klein, they say, how would he describe his, pers- his general manner? And he would say, I would say genial. I learned the word genial when I was like 12. <laughs> From the scene, right? Because who uses the word genial? The more you know. The more <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, how does he react to authority? Well, he's always willing to help. Now, this is the point where his colleagues come to his defense and say very nice things mm-hmm. about him. That I mean, he's always willing to help on the ladies' stock, whatever, right? And so Captain Peacock says, the word I'm looking for is either ubiquitous or unctuous, but I think the word excellent will do. <laughs> and Miss Brown's pipes in because he can't spell the other two. So which word did he want? Is it ubiquitous, unctuous, or another word that sounds like that? Well, oh God, ubiquitous means have, having to do with something, right? Or am I completely wrong? <laughs> That's the most vague definition. <laughs> like I think um, I've ever you heard. could say toad in the hole is ubiquitous with British food. Y- ubiquitous in British food. In British food. And so what why would you say it's ubiquitous? Cuz I it sounded right. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so ubiquitous means being everywhere at once or omnipresent. So you could go to any um uh, uh, chipper Mm-hmm. on the street and find toad in the hole. It's everywhere, right? Okay. And so I think that's the word that Captain Peacock might have been reaching for because he can always be, Mr. Humphreys can be found in every department, helping everybody out. Not quite right, but it's close to what he wanted. Okay. What was the other word? The other word was unctuous, which was definitely not the word he wanted. And what is uh, okay, I'll ask for the unanimous. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> so it's oily or greasy. Oh. Like the, the, that kind of viscous, greasy texture. Like yeah. the toad on the hole. Like, like the toad on the hole, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think it's cute that both kind of sound the same, but one means oily and greasy. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, of course, Captain Peacock having to show off his education had to pick oh, yes. a... We know he has a color television set in the, lo- in the drawing room. Exactly. In the library. Um, how does he do with his social activities? Well, I, I've been thinking about joining the Whist Club, but how does he put it? You know, um, to keep fit. Uh, to, to keep fit, right? And Miss Miss Silkham doesn't get it. Well, you know, they take so long with it that you have to run home, and you miss your last bus, and you have to run home. But what the right? hell is a Whist? I, I knew you would you would have the answer. So so Whist is a card game. It's a oh. trick take. It's a trick taking card game like bridge or spades or hearts okay i want to make a gay bar joke somehow here (laughs) but i've never played you've never played any trick-taking game no oh my i don't get out much you you well that's a perfect it's a perfect activity for staying in oh damn i i flunked that one too (laughs) 
So, uh, Mr. Humphreys has got to submit a picture as well for the Salespersons of the Year contest. Okay. And he's going through his wallet, and he sees, oh, he, he took one with Jimmy Savile because he was on an episode of Jim Will Fix It. Well, did he? Mm, temporarily, right? So, funny joke with a really dark background Yeah, nowadays. and a very timely, dated, of the times kind of reference. So, like... yeah. Who is Jimmy Savile and what is Jimmy Jim will fix it? What is that? Yeah. So we've already talked about Jimmy Savile and Jim, Jim will fix it. Back on the episode, The Old Order Changes. Hit him with a tape clay. Right? Oh, yes. Because Mr. Lucas is wearing his casual clothes and on it is a big button that says Jim will fix it. Right? We talked to that. Uh, right. So, so listeners, go back and listen to that episode to hear more about Jimmy Savile. But uh, short, long story short, he was. Very, very uh, long story. Sure. Yeah. Um, he was a child abuser, it turns out to be. Yep. So, um, and it, yeah. it, he's, he's, he was a very beloved. He was very beloved. No longer yeah. beloved. Right. Um, philanthropist. Like he was honored by the, the Prince of Wales for all of the money he raised for hospitals yep. and things. And he was like a TV presenter that always worked with children. In a way, for Americans, the way to think about Jimmy Sav- uh, Savile. He's sort of like Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. No, no. Um, in terms of like, you associate like him being kind to children, like in te- t- t- uh, children's television. I would say Bill Cosby, because he didn't do like children's programming, but he did mm, like work with no, children right. a lot on no, a show. That's a good point. So you had Bill Cosby who did like picture pages and like kids say the darndest things. But it was like or family wor- friendly kind of. Family friendly, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then turned out to be um, either a monster or someone who did monstrous things. Yeah, I mean, if you just yeah. Google, I mean, it's it's really bad. But so Jim will fix it, I guess. I don't remember what that show was though. That was like a a, a wish fulfillment show. Like you know, you write in and say, oh, you know, my my mother's stove is broken and she can't afford to fix it. And oh, and then he fixes it. And he would pay to fix it or something like that, right? Oh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> so. Um, He's going through the pictures that he has in his um, bill f- in his wallet, and he has a picture of, of one of them is a picture of his mother when she used to be a dancer back in the '30s, and they're all showing pictures around. And old Mister Grace comes into the canteen <laughs> yeah, to say he hello. He rises from the mist, <laughs> right? And they all kind of scatter like they're doing something bad. Like they're on their lunch hour; they're allowed to be social, right, but like right. they have to like scatter and like stand up to greet old Mister Grace. And then um, Mrs. Slocum gives Mr. Oh, here's your picture back, Mr. Humphreys. Oh, am I missing something? We're looking at pictures. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Humphreys shows off his mother. And old Mr. Grace nearly falls over. And the nurse does a very good job at reacting, acting here to catch him. Yeah, yeah, she was cool. Was was her name Annie? And is this the Golden Garter Club in 1938? Oh, I regret running away and leaving her in such a state. But I was bent on becoming the world's champion racing driver. And so we tease out from this, we see to learn that old Mr. Grace had left some woman named Annie um, up the duff in the club. And in the pudding turns club, out you might even say. In the pudding club. And we are led to believe that he is Mr. Humphrey's long lost father. Have you ever met your father? I thought I did. You mean? And then Mr. Humphrey says, Daddy! <laughs> and falls into his arms, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, and that's that sets up a lot of drama for the episode. Um, crazy. It does. So why don't we head on down to the canteen for a tea break, and then we'll see how the staff react to Mr. Humphreys being the heir apparent to the Grace Brothers' fortune. Mr. Grace Humphreys is keeping his baton there. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? 
or an official podcast sofa pillow, perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does It Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. Oh, Mr. Brandon, that spag bowl I had was rather unctuous. I couldn't finish it all. Show off. What did you have? (laughs) (laughs) I had some Branston pickle with uh, some cathedral English cheddar cheese on a cracker. And it was delicious. What did you just call me? (laughs) It was so good. (laughs) So we cut back um, up to Mr. Rumble's office and Mr. Humphreys is there. Um, I asked Captain Peacock to request you to come to see me in your own good time. (laughs) So we see the setup that all the rest of the staff are now crawling to kiss up to Mr. Humphreys. Just as they did to when they thought that Mrs. Slocum was going to get married to young Mr. Grace. Right? Grace follows power quite easily. And so he lets Mr. Humphrey sit in his chair, <laughs> um, and he's and Mr. Rumble says that he hopes he remembers him once Mr. Humphreys becomes heir to the store. Mm-hmm. So they're all vying now for um, uh, for some kind of either favor in the future, whatever. It's um, all stratified, there, isn't it? Harmon brings in his afternoon tea and comments, "Oh, I could see he's got your job already." <laughs> sitting in the, that in Mr. Grace seat. has already made the change, right? <laughs> And old Mr. Grace's secretary comes in and brings a message that uh, Mr. Humphreys Humphrey is to see old Mr. Grace sometime today before 3 o'clock. Because after 3, he falls asleep, right? And it's a long day for him. <laughs> it's a long right? day, yeah. So we get a quick bit um, back on the sales floor with a customer who is uncredited, so we don't know who played her. Uh, but Mrs. Slocum is returning a repaired bra uh, to this customer, they, as they've uh, installed extra strong elastic at the back, and she's ripping it and tearing it to show just how strong it is. <laughs> and I love how Mrs. How Molly Sugden just like she's like tugging on the elastic to show how it's extra strong, and she grimaces because she's really is. pulling it. You know, yeah, so cool. So she's having a bit a quick a quick gossip with Miss Brahms about. Uh, the fact that Mr. Humphreys may have always wondered who his true father is, and it may eat at him that he's some sort of a dot, dot, dot. Mr. Silkham then realizes that the customer has left her basket behind, so she screams, basket, and chases after her with it. So I didn't quite get this joke when I was younger watching Same it, thing. But now, yeah. but now we could tell the our dear listeners that this is not Polari. This is not Cockney rhyming slang. This is just a plain old, simple minced oath. Basket sounds like bastard, and that's what the... the Which back then was like a very, very, very naughty word. You could not say... Like, that's a slur, right? I mean, back then... Well, even still today, basket is a common euphemism or minced oath for for bastard. I've never... Either... Maybe I was just ignorant of that, but I've never made that connection except for this episode maybe i do you think it's a british thing it's definitely a british thing it's not Mm, common over here interesting yeah now that i say that now i realize one of my favorite tv shows that's american i know i know lay off (laughs) um what's his name um louis anderson and zach galifianakis does an incredible TV series, a comedy called Baskets. Oh, that's, is that what well, that's about? Well, I didn't realize it until just now, but, well, and when you're explaining it, because it's about a mom and her two boys, and there's never a father figure, and it's probably a very oh, witty joke, okay. kind of like Arrested Development is a joke about, like, commercial property development, and... Um, Etc. But yeah, baskets. I never realized that. If you're if you love yeah. indignant comedy, which you probably do, if you love being served, baskets is Great a word. really really good um, a good show. That yeah. does suit baskets. We see now how the rest of the staff are also crawling or planning to uh, ingratiate themselves onto Mr. Humphreys. Mr. Slocum is going to get married <laughs> to him. Uh, Captain Peacock asks him if he'd like to go home early because it's two thirty p.m. <laughs> 
And Mr. Klein sold a three-piece suit but put it down to Humphrey's commission. But everyone except right? – They're all going right, everyone way except, out of their Everyone um, except young Mr. Spooner. Because right, yeah, it's like the young people are like, we know our lot in life. We're never going to, we're not even going to try, right? Just like Mister, right. uh, I always picture um, Mister Lucas would have all basically like Mister Lucas lives in the in the body of uh, Mister Spooner. So yeah, barely. <laughs> yeah, in fact, a lot of the jokes that would have normally gone to Mister Lucas went to Mister Klein in this. Oh, interesting observation. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, like the little. You know, that whole bit about the, the forklift. And any time there's an aside that Mr. Klein gives, it's odd that it's not Spooner delivering Maybe the line. Maybe they're testing him out to see is if it, he'd be like, I don't know. Yeah, it's true, to see if he you know, huh. would, would uh, stay on. So uh, a call comes into the department. It's Mrs. Humphreys, and she's going to come visit the store because Mr. Humphreys has a, a surprise for her. Uh, we find out that old Mr. Grace is going to return the coat to Humphreys once he found out that Mr. Humphreys planned on giving it to his mother. And um, so that's going to be you know, the reason to draw her in, to give her the coat and then also to reunite her with um, mm-hmm. old Mr. Grace. So we cut up to Mr. old Mr. Grace's office and the phone rings. I was so confused at this because it sounded like a foghorn was going off. Like, I don't know if the Foley artist was sick that day and they had to get someone else who had to like, like to Jerry rig some kind of combination. Or maybe like a truck was driving by the BBC studios at that minute or something. You know, or maybe there had to be, maybe the explanation was that old Mr. Grace is so deaf that they had to like <laughs> amplify the, vol- like the ringer. I don't know, but Really, really t- uh, weird. And you know, we um, didn't mention noise. before when um, um, Mr. Humphreys is on the phone with Mrs. Humphreys, we get one of those famous "Are you being served, Mr. Humphreys?" lines, where he's like, he won't give her the the reason that he he wants her to come over, but um, no, it wasn't the vicar. Dude. Yeah, it wasn't that I vicar. Seen or in years. no, it won't be in the papers. <laughs> I haven't seen that vicar in years. Like anytime he's on the phone with his mother, there's always some little thing like that, which is definitely a Mr. Humphreysism. She's worried that he's going to get done in for um, section sixty five or what was that part of the British law? What was that called loitering or something? Else. Yeah, loitering. Exactly right. So, um, Mr. Humphreys and Mrs. Old Mr. Grace is are both getting nervous about um, reuniting with his mother, and both of their legs <laughs> give out cute. at the same time, which is awfully cute. So they're doing that physical comedy, both <laughs> of them at the same time. And because we know that the actor who plays Old Mr. Grace is probably the same age yeah. as John Inman, he's physically able to do right. that, to carry it off. Because Harold Bennett, who played young Mr. Grace, might not have been able to oh, act him. that, you know, to, 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 do, to act that... Uh, uh, yep. Leg shaking, right? So back down on the floor, the lift doors open, and it's John Yay! Inman in drag as Mrs. Annie Humphreys. So right? excited for this scene. I was, I remembered in my head that John Inman modulated his, his voice when playing the mother, but he didn't at all. He used his normal voice. I thought he might have like gone up like half an octave or something, well, but I not mean, at all. He does a little affectation. He does a bit of a. He kind of lisps his voice a little bit, like the ending of his words might be drawn out a little bit, very subtly. Um, but that's a very interesting question. Speaking of going up an octave, yeah. <laughs> but that's a very interesting question, isn't it? <laughs> so Captain Peacock is showing Mrs. Humphreys around the floor. Uh, this is where he stands. This is his tape. This is the exact piece of chalk he used to take an inside leg, yeah. et cetera, right? And so she's, you know, exchanging pleasantries with everyone in the office and uh, in the uh, on the shop floor. And she turns to Captain Peacock and says, you know, when one gets to know you, you're not a toffee-nosed <laughs> git Do you know, all. okay, uh, do you know what a toffee-nosed git, do you know where the word toffee-nosed comes from? Is it related to brown-nosed? Um, no, it's actually really interesting. So I've been watching a lot of stuff on YouTube about the Edwardian area, like 1910, 1870s, whatever. I'm not really sure that the time period, but I watched the thing about the fashion for men in that era. And this is like pride and prejudice, that era, you know? Okay. So what is that? The 1880s? Sure. Well, Victoria was 1870. So I guess... I don't know. Anyway, someone would know better than me. But anyway, so toffee-nosed git. To be toffee-nosed, back in the day, people used to do snuff. Okay. 
And I think snuff, I might be wrong, but is that, do you like inhale it up your nose? Yeah, you take a pinch of to- a pinch of tobacco. Up your nose, right? Up your nose, yeah. So it's really gross, but if you're doing this thing, not chewing tobacco, but snuff where you sniff it like it's cocaine or something, I guess, it might type start dripping down your nose and out Ew. your nose. So people who were in fashion wore very high white collars that went straight up to your chin. So you wouldn't even see your neck. And the worst thing to do in society were to have your snuff drip from your nose and get on your pristine white collar. Right? So what people would do is they would like tilt their head back, and I'm doing it now, so that it would not run down out their nostrils. <laughs> oh my gosh. So like all these high society people would literally walk around kind of with their chin poking out because they want their nose oh. to be back. And toffee is brown, so toffee right. nosed is are these people who are like walking around with their literally their nose in the air to keep snuff snot from flowing out of their nose to get onto Gross. their nice white starched collars. Gross. Insane, right? Blah. So, um Captain Peacock escorts Mrs. Humphreys. Like <laughs> yeah, if you we need a trigger warning if you're like eating a, a snack right now, right? Waiter, cancel um, my sticky toffee pudding. There you go. I was waiting. I was waiting for you to make that connection. <laughs> I was like, what is it called? <laughs> anyway, what were you saying? Um, so Captain Peacock escorts Mrs. Humphreys up to old Mr. Grace's office and thinks she just thinks she's there to meet the head of the firm. And he's, you know, apologizing right away. I'm sorry I left you in that state, and she's not catching on. So he asks, well, do you remember a young man who drank champagne from your slipper and dined you at Romano's? Well, no, I remember an old man who drank a Wellington full of milk stout and took me out for a fish supper. <laughs> <laughs> so they've got very different memories of, um, uh, of how they spent their youth. Is that what straight men do is they drink champagne out of women's feet, shoes? I don't understand why that's supposed to be romantic. Because right? they Here's, love her so much that... Even her shoe is, oh, it's the essence of her, well, her foot at least. Mm, I don't know. know. Like, the only thing I can think of, the only thing that reminds me of is um, in rugby, there is a social tradition that if um, if you forget one of the lines to the songs that are sung okay. in the social hour, your punishment is you have to drink a beer out of someone's rugby boots. Okay, yeah. this is like the gross episode of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but old Mr. Grace takes out the picture and points to the woman that he remembers having the date with. And Mr. Humphreys reveals, no, that, that's not me. That was Annie Granger. Oh, not this so Annie. Ho- it's a different Annie. Right. So hold the phone here. Are the writers trying to say... That old Mr. Grace may have been Ernest Granger's father? <gasps> oh, Jeff, I, that, my mind is, what? So, so, he, <laughs> let, let, so I want to talk through this and figure this out. Okay, right? let's do it. So bring out me, your yarn, me, put it on your wall, take a picture right. and like circle it. Char- yeah. Charlie Day is going <laughs> to, I'm channeling Charlie Day right now, right? Yeah. So, okay. So we, from from the This Is Your Life episode, okay, we remember like that it. we learned that young Mr. Grace and Mr. Granger were born, both born in 1926, I believe, right? Because young, because young Mr. Granger remembers seeing um, young Mr. Grace, uh, young, young Mr. Grace, um, selling the fish out of the, the wheelbarrow in, in, the, in the stalls. Oh, right? and this is old Mr. Grace. So he's older than... So this exactly um, this is old Mr. Grace, so he's older than his brother, but we and we don't know by how much, right? Okay. We don't know how, how, how much. But when old Mr. Grace first saw the photo, he said, Was this the Green Garter in nineteen thirty eight? So that <laughs> I would love have been that 12, you're like figuring this out. <laughs> this would have been twelve years after Ernest Granger was born. But as you said in the in the our fiftieth episode, the, 
the the public, the audience wouldn't have remembered that joke from ten years ago, right? Because, because people didn't have VCRs, VCRs and DVRs and, were yeah. not were not ubiquitous. And you don't re- thank you for that. And you don't remember <laughs> like a joke from ten years ago. You would have no right. idea that joke because unless they did reruns, but you know it's they not didn't. like today. That's that's one of the reasons why. I feel like we have more American fans than British fans because this show is not rerun as constantly in the UK as it is over That's here. That's a really good point. I never really realized. And I'm, I'm curious, though, during the actual um, seasons of the original series of uh, in the BBC, did they it, rerun them then? Or it, it may, Yeah, it may have been rerun in between seasons when it was still airing. But it wasn't until you got specialty cable channels like the Yesterday Channel. Or PBS. Well, I'm talking about over there. Like oh, the, Yesterday, the Yesterday Channel, for example, focuses on showing sitcoms of 60s, 70s, and 80s. Okay. And it shows there now like once a week. Whereas uh, before, you'd have to wait until they showed it like on a Christmas special. Or when Molly Sugden died and they showed the Mrs. Slocum So that person means episode, the only right? people in the UK who would know Are You Being Served would be like your auntie who remembers it when it was on the air originally and people her age. But if you were like 15 and 1990, you didn't know what Are You Being Served was because it didn't really come on nearly as much as it did in, in Arkansas and PBS every 10 o'clock every Monday through Friday. Right. So wow. you, you, you would have been exposed to it, you know, uh, every now and then. Yeah. But it wasn't being in as re, as many reruns as it was or is here. That's so – it's so funny. But like the 53rd episode, we just kind of like, wait a minute. Right. Um, wow. So they're trying to figure out if there's any possibility if old Mr. Grace is Mr. Humphrey's father. So uh, Mrs. Humphreys has a series of questions. Well – uh, were you ever a milk roundsman that got kicked in the head by his horse and had to have a lie down in someone's front parlor? Okay, that's an interesting idea. Did you ever drop by parachute into a backyard and run corn late one Friday night? Run corn is a town um, southeast of Liverpool, right? These are whole. These are like the dalliances that Mrs. Humphreys had. These are the three before times she she's got ever married. had sex <laughs> before <laughs> she got married to Mr. Humphreys. Exactly. <laughs> well, were you ever caught in the tunnel of love in Western Supermare during a power failure? Well, then I can say um, with all certainty that you are not Mr. Uh, Claiborne's father, right? No. Old Mr. Grace is relieved for some reason. I guess maybe he doesn't want to puff for an heir after all. <laughs> yeah. And so he calls down to Captain Peacock, who breaks the news to him that, you know, in very Maury Povich style, he's you are not, not your father. father. Right. So then Mr. Humphreys looks around and says, well, what does that make me? And Mrs. Slocum hands him the basket. And then she looked very <laughs> sad at him. <laughs> very sad, right? Oh, so funny. And so Captain Peacock is puts, you know, tries to put the bug in his ear if he's going to return the coat to old Mr. Grace, if he's going to have a chance to buy it for his wife after all. And he says, no, you know, there's nothing like a fur coat to get over a disappointment. Mm, it's true. <laughs> and he, try, he tries it on. And Captain Peacock says, you can't wear a lady's ankle-length fur coat in broad daylight. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, I'll have it shortened and wear it in the evening. And then he walks and away. And he prances off. And that is the episode. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. Uh, he does love a fur coat. He's in, like, three episodes he's wearing a fur coat, right? Yeah. So this this definitely brought some lightness. Yes. And what humor do you think of the episode? Series eight. Uh, this is definitely the best of the series eight episodes so far. I have to say. Yeah. Um, the one where he's like the gossip columnist. That was. Cute. I mean, there's some cute things there, like when they go on the roof for the fire. That was kind of yeah, cute. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But again, it's all but that. I, it's all the Humphrey stuff for me. Like, oh my god, it's you. And uh, how have you been? Well, I'll tell you on the way down the the fire ladder. Like that's right. cute. But like everything else, I could have not done with. But so I mean, I I, I feel that Mr. Klein, being the one to do all the Lucas type jokes, he brings a certain levity that. Mr. Grossman did not have. I agree with you with that. Yeah. I, like I, I think that be, might be one of the reasons why um, this is my favorite episode of the series, of Series 8. Of Series 8. So I was thinking about it. Milo Sperber, I IMDB did him. Is that a word? 
And he there was another TV series in 1981 that he was part of. Oh, so maybe he had to leave. Yeah. I mean, I kind of have this half joke, half not a joke theory that there's about 20 actors in the UK at any one point. Because anytime <laughs> you watch British TV, they're like, oh, it's you from that show and you're from the other show. But um, yeah, so maybe that's why he left. But I don't know. I mean, as this arguing surf fan, I think we can all agree that the original Mr. Gr- Mr. Granger was the best. Absolutely. And there's no comparing to him. Uh, long live Arthur Broth. But, um, yeah, you, they just couldn't get anyone to replace him that, like, the audience really liked. I, I really – I liked um, Alfie Bass. What's his name? Uh, Mr. Yeah, I think, I think he's definitely the number two of the senior salespeople right behind Mr. Granger. What's his name? Um, um, oh, God. Uh, Not Mr. Tebbs. Um, man, why am I blanking on this? Everyone shout at your iPhone device. Yeah, maybe that'll get us to hear it. Oh. He said, oh, come on. Grixkrid. Grixkrid. Oh. We're having the worst blank on this. Mr. Grossman, Mr. Tebbs, Mr. Goldberg. Goldberg. Ay, 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 ay. <laughs> Goldberg. Yeah. It's Mr. Granger, Mr. Goldberg, Mr. Tebbs, Mr. Klein, Mr. Grossman. That is the ranking of the five senior salesmen. And best to worst. Not chronologically, of course. We have to to set the record straight, people. And best to worst, exactly. Set the record gay. Wow. Well, what's going on next time you hear our lovely voices? So next week we'll be talking about closed circuit. And that's the one where they make a commercial using Miss Brom's face and the nurse's voice. Oh. Is this the one where they play it in a movie cinema? Um, I think they play, yeah, they play it in a movie cinema and someone become, someone, some man falls in love with Miss Brahms and then they have to do a little bit of Cyrano de Bergerac kind of thing with Miss, the nurse throwing her voice while Miss Brahms is faking is it. This, is this the one where Mrs. Slocum's hair like stands on end? I don't think so. Oh man, that's a good one. I think we got to wait a while. For I don't one. really remember that one, so I will. I will be tuning into my own podcast for that one. To be honest, I don't remember that one <laughs> There's either. There's a lot of episodes. Yeah, towards the end, I feel that there are a lot of episodes that either I passed over, or maybe my local PBS PBS station passed over. Yeah, um, and you know yeah. that that reminds me. I don't know if we mentioned, but we did hear from Superfan and past uh, guest host. Kyle, um, there was an episode that we asked him on the show, uh, the Punch and Judy Affair episode. Um, was that episode skipped from his local PBS station? Oh, that's right. And he actually wrote in, he contacted his local PBS station. He said, nope, we've aired it before. In fact, the last day it was aired was this and blah, 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 blah. So, so helpful. Thank you, Memphis yeah. PBS station. So uh, they're happy to help. So listen, if you have any questions for us or um, some hate mail you want to send us, we've gotten some (laughs) of those before. Um, If you think uh, Mr. Grossman is is highly underrated and is much better than Mr. Granger, you let us know. You can do that by Facebook, Twitter at DoesSuitMadam. Write us an old-fashioned email. That does suit Madam with an E at gmail.com. Or you can call the Peacock Hotline at 662-PEACOCK. That's 662-732-2625. And with that, Mr. Jeff, you've You've all done done very very well. well. Bye, Bye. Bye. That does it, Madam, is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served is a copyrighted program of the BBC. Each person who takes part in a paternity test must give a written consent to allow their DNA sample to be taken and tested.